This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter and what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk and we are still in the middle, well, the very, very early stages of our Game of Thrones rewatch. This is where we're we are going back to the very beginning and working our way all through eight seasons of Game of Thrones and focusing on the themes and the lessons and the moments that make this show so important to all of us fans. It's still in our hearts, and we are here to analyze why, and I'm not doing it alone today. Welcome back to... Casterly Talk. Welcome home, Andres Ace Cabrera. What is up, my friend? How are you? I am good, excited. Rewatching Game of Thrones was an absolute delight. Yeah. Uh, I forgot how much I love this show, and I forgot how much I knew about this show. Uh, <laughs> That's it's kind of incredible because I never got the chance to do Game of Thrones trivia. Right. But I still feel like I would have killed it. Mm. Uh, and going back and rewatching this, I'm just like, I forgot everything. <laughs> yeah. Down to so, little details, names, little moments. Yeah, yep. it's been fun. But it's also so ingrained. And I know what you mean where, like, going back to the beginning, which occasionally I'll pop on an episode. or But, like, to go mm-hmm. back and really, like, all right, sit down and watch it, uh, I'm I'm just uh, refinding the passion for the show that uh, went all the way back to 2011. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Again, it's, it's, it's interesting because season one, Mm-hmm. I feel like is one of the most heavy as far as like, remember this, remember that from portions in the book. Yeah. Uh, almost more than any other season that I was like, oh, my God, they're referencing all this stuff. <laughs> lore, lore, so much yeah. lore. Uh, so uh, we are going to be uh, diving in a lot to get to. So let's go into it here. Uh, we also have some calls. Uh, we also have um, a great call that's actually looking back at the pilot and, and, and to the end of season eight. We'll get to that. Uh, and that's the thing, too, here in Casterly Talk, you listeners and those watching on YouTube. You can reach out via the Anchor app, leave a message. And even though we are doing the review, absolutely love to have you kind of call about an episode ahead that we're going to re- review or talk about and discuss. I keep saying review, but really we're discussing these episodes and going in deep. 
but also Game of Thrones news or something in general you want to talk about, please. That is still what this show is for. So we'll get to one of those uh, calls in a bit. This is episode five, The Wolf and the Lion, original air date, May 15th, 2011. Director, Brian Kirk. Usually uh, the directors work uh, two or three episodes in a row to kind of get the flow going. Uh, Benny Offa Weiss back in the writer's uh, chair for this. Of course, a big writer's room, but it was Brian Cogman last week, episode four, the writer's assistant being moved forward to writer with that episode. But Benny Offa Weiss back there, same cinematographer, uh, cinematographer and editor, Marco Pontecorvo, is a cinematographer and editing done by Francis Parker. So, uh, Ace, where were you? May 15th, 2011. Not watching this episode, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I uh I notoriously started I think later half of season two. I think is when I started watching. So I did I had to do the rewatch. Yeah. I had to go back and watch these. Uh, so I didn't start with right. as it was airing, which is an interesting dynamic now. Yeah. Rewatching it again. Mm-hmm. It's like something with Star Wars too. You go back, you see, you know, I saw Empire first, or Return of the Jedi first. You know, it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, what pulled you in? You had just heard people talk, and you caught an episode season mm-hmm. two, or like, and then, then you were back in, right? Yes, this was, uh, I, I mean, the only thing I heard about the show, I, I remember is that I've, as if it were yesterday, it's someone said it's it's the Battle of Many Kings or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which I get what they're referencing now, but that's how the, the my friend put it. He was like, oh, yeah, it's like many kings, medieval time kind of going in battle. And I was like, oh, cool, cool. And you follow each king. Yeah. So I thought every time they cut to a different person, it was a king. Um, <laughs> so I was like, who's this king at the wall? Jon Snow. <laughs> um, Turns out maybe but, you weren't wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, that was one of the most fun parts of yeah. the show because it it immediately gave me mm. my favorite character, which is still one of my favorite characters ever. He's definitely in my top three, mm. uh, Rob Stark. Yeah. Uh, because by season two, he was a king. He was yeah. the king in the North. And they definitely referenced that when I was watching it, when I started watching it. Uh, so when I went back and rewatched, like, oh, he had a dad yeah. <laughs> and yeah. his dad lost his head. Uh, it was a big old right. thing that I had to get into, but awesome, definitely man. a lot of fun going back and rewatching. Hey, I, all, all perspectives and all entry points are, are valid and interesting to me as, as a viewer. Uh, and again, I, I was book after season one. I started getting to the books, but season one went in kind of blind. So I love going back, you know, May 15th, 2011. I was just uh, enthralled and intrigued. And, and episode five, as we as we start to dive into it, this is where the action really does pick up. We have mm-hmm. we had a lot of scheming and talking and great things going, uh, you know, in the first four episodes. You know, definitely some action. But we really start to get to some action here. And I, I put the note of the intrigue gets intriguing. It really mm-hmm. starts to kick up. Uh, but interesting, no Jon Snow, no Daenerys in this episode. And even on this rewatch, I kind of always kind of forget that, if that makes sense, Ace, where I'm just like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was so pulled in by the stuff in the episode. We didn't go to the wall. We didn't go to uh, Essos. I don't yeah. know if you had that thought, but that was where I came down. Oh, no, absolutely. Considering that we usually jump around to them, but also the fact that we stay in King's Landing was a lot of fun because we do get to see even more yeah. scheming, even more. I mean, yeah. Robert has that speech in this episode about how everything in King's Landing is scheming yeah. and not stabbing, which is what he wants. So, he wants yeah, I, I love this episode. I think it's great. Yeah, uh, And the final note for me, before we dive into the themes and lessons here, with the death of Jory Cassell, poor Jory. We talked a lot about Jory last week, episode four, him just going around getting treated bad by Jamie, Sir Hugh. He's just a good man from the North who's loyal to Ned. 
gets killed. And this is, along with the injury of Ned, slightly different than books. Uh, he falls off the horse in the book during the fight. This, he gets uh, the spear in the leg. But uh, first death of a character that you might have thought, if you're just watching the story as it plays out in front of you, you don't know the books, you might have thought, eh, this Jory Cassell guy seems like a good number two. He's going to go to the end. And here he is getting a, a, a little dagger, uh, well, a big dagger to the eye and dying. And that was, to me, one of the first, like, oh, this show, okay, we're doing that. Uh, okay. So poor Jory. <laughs> Rest in peace, yeah. Jory. The thing about Jory, and maybe it's just because I was on in a mood when I saw this episode, <laughs> but but homie, homie had his last little shout out, like yeah. straight up, like he was like he was like look, staring at that girl at the, at the broth right. at the brothel, yeah, and and she was giving him the wink. She was like literally showing off the skin, and he was kind of in hip, he was hypnotized. He was, and and turns out, like seconds later, minutes later, he gets stabbed in the the eye, the same eye yeah. that was fantasizing about that girl. Oh, is there <laughs> that might be one of our themes and lessons? Uh, it might be there. We love yeah. digging deep on this show. Let's dive into them here, uh, Andreas. We've been doing this, and, and Rachel, first couple of episodes. Rachel will be back next week uh, on some of the episodes. We're just going in, at no particular necessarily need for a scene by scene order. But let's. Uh, I'll put some down. You can put some down, and we'll jump in here. Uh, I, I I gotta take the of, of the first the first four episodes to me had real clear clear themes that uh, were introducing new themes and new morality tests and questions. And this one does that. But this one was the first one where I had to go back and really concentrate and say, what am I pulling out of this episode? One of the ones I got was we we always going to get stuff about honor. There's always going to be conversations about honor. But now this mm-hmm. one kind of started pulling in the the loyalty. And Rachel had mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes. That's always something you have to look for. What is the the loyalty and the order of your loyalty in this mm. world? Family, duty, honor. We hear that with Bran. Mm. Uh, what's your thoughts on what we got from loyalty here, Ned to to Robert, uh, Ned to his house, all those kind of things there? Yeah, Ned, Ned to Robert. Uh, we have uh, Ned to Catelyn, especially at the end when he kind of takes the the credit for it. Yeah. Uh, we also have right. Tyrion to Jamie, Jamie to Tyrion at the very end as well. Yeah, uh, yeah there's a lot of uh, loyalty going on here, and we also get the two most questionable uh, guys of loyalty having their little speech with Varys and Littlefinger as well. Yeah. Uh, which is very interesting. Yeah, loyalty is a great one because I feel like that's the entire dynamic mm. of what the show represents, especially the earlier seasons. Right. It's the idea of these old school times where you're kind of uh, being a man of your ward is part of your transaction yeah. as a person, right? Where so it's off. like I'm I'm investing in this guy because I know he's loyal. I'm not investing in this guy because I know he's a schemer and a liar and a cheater. Yeah. Uh, that was part of what made the idea of Game of Thrones and the politics of Game of Thrones so enticing yeah. for audiences, right? Yeah, well, th- in, th- in this episode, like you said up top, we get a lot of time in King's Landing, so we get to spend a lot of time just peeling back those layers of loyalty and honor and and who's doing what. And, and yeah, I, I want to focus, I want to actually jump right to that scene with Varys and Baelish in front of the throne. It is a great scene. It is a show-only scene. Uh, they obviously, even in the books, obviously they're they're connected. They go back and forth, all that kind of stuff. Uh, full disclosure: you love Baelish, we know that. I'm a fan of Baelish as well, Varys as well. But I love this scene. Other than just it's just them on fire as actors and performers, uh, Aiden Gillen, Conlon Hill. But the idea of, of of true goals, Varys versus Baelish, and also I really want to focus on what is Varys's loyalty and honor because he he says to the realm. 
And looking back, it's easy to watch from this point now with the show done to look back at Varys and go, see, he really did. He wanted to put the realm first. But back in, you don't believe him here for a second. And he's down there scheming with Illyrio, which goes against Ned, but it's really for the realm and Ned's in the way of that. So your head's spinning over what Varys's actual loyalty and honor is. What were your impressions now compared to then? And, and let's dive into that scene. Exactly. I, I think you nailed it. The idea of Varys... Uh, seeming loyal and then going back to mm-hmm. when you see Illyrio and yeah. you start to realize like, wait a minute, this guy isn't on our side. He's He has the foreign dignitary as Littlefinger puts it, yeah, yeah. which puts him in hot water considering that that might be the most disloyal thing you can do is to have someone from Essos mm-hmm. uh, right. in, in, the, uh, in Westeros and try to have some sort of involvement with the king or overthrowing the king. Uh, I thought that was absolutely fascinating considering i think he had the scene just beforehand when he met with ned yeah um but he told ned i'm loyal i am loyal i'm a man of my word and i'm telling you how it is right now and he had kind of has that heart to heart with ned saying hey i'm a weird guy but i'm still a loyal guy and i'm still the kind of guy who has honor like you do yeah um yeah address yeah you're right addresses ned just says there's very few that have honor you're one of them Yep, but he's kind of saying, "I think you're right. Like my 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 honor is is there. It's very present. Mm-hmm. It is until the very end. It's what it what kills him in the end. We're jumping to that, but but we can have the discussion a little yeah. bit later when we're looking at that episode. But yeah, because I, I remember, you know, it's part of this fun this time around more than any other rewatch. Because I think it's because the show's all done and behind me, and it's like watching it from that perspective, going back and reliving the first moment." of this episode for me. Cause I loved Varys, right. And his little, like when he does a little shiver, when he and Baelish are arguing back and forth and just wit, <laughs> wit on wit, uh, violence. Yes. There. But then when he, when, when Arya is chasing the cat and is down in the black cells and, and, and sees this, like, I remember the time like, Oh no. Oh yeah. This Varys guy's got to go, got to go. Mm-hmm. And so therefore when he was saying stuff to the Ned, to Ned later on and, 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 and the season uh, about, you know, I, I'm loyal to the realm and that's why I'm here to help you dummy. I didn't know what to do with it. But going back mm-hmm. now, and I'm like, you said it like Ned's in the way. We're rooting for Ned. We like Ned. I don't think Ned should have died. But I'm like, yeah, now looking, looking back now, I can see where Varys is like, look, man, you got to work for the realm, man. Not for House Stark, not for the North. That's the order of loyalty here. Yep. I'm not saying I agree with everything Varys says or does, but I, I look at it differently now. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the reference that you had with uh, with Littlefinger's line uh, when he says one shudders at the thought and he, and he goes like, mm. uh, it's incredible acting from the uh, remind me his name. Conleth, I can't believe Conleth beginning. Hill, man. He is. Uh, yes. He's yes. the best. He's the best. We saw him outside of the uh, outside of San Diego Capricorn. Yes. A smoke break. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll never I'll never forget him in the lobby of the hotel I was at. Yep. And, and, and uh, Sophie Turner, Maisie Williams, hundreds of people waiting outside for them. And he's just in the lobby staring at them. And I, yep. I, I couldn't talk to him because I was like. You just Varys, man. I, it's Varys. Right? I don't, <laughs> I was there too. I remember that. Yes, I was like, yes. we can't go up to him. No way. Yes. Yeah, you uh, and I walked in. That's right. And outside with, was Davos and Theon having cigarettes. Uh, what a, yep. I, I do miss And Alfie Allen was there too. Yeah. He was outside. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I was there with uh, with Macy and, and, and Sophie, I, by the way. I never saw them. Yeah, you, you did, huh? Okay. I did, yeah. I yeah. rode an elevator with them. That was my claim to fame. There you go. I that's wrote, the that's yeah. the uh, the whole meme that was going around Twitter of like, who's the most famous person you've rode an elevator with? <laughs> right. Uh, and that was mine. It was my, Macy Williams and Sophie. Mine for that hotel trip was, was Gilly. Uh, uh, oh. uh, I rode with Gilly. 
Um, it's the same, same then, level, bro. Same elevator. Jamie Lee Curtis, my, my Jamie Lee Curtis nice. story. Good. I, I miss Comic Con for that kind of stuff. And it was oh. a hotel that I met Will Forte out front at. That's it's just, go. I don't know what I was doing staying there. I, my credit card uh, debt is because of that hotel. Uh, Greg, uh, Greg Grunkenberg, uh, uh, snap famous, uh, snap. Yeah. He was there too. He was in the elevator. Dude, that's awesome. Um, well, and I remember, I remember clearly seeing him and I was like, Oh, but then I didn't realize that Sophie was right next to me. That's awesome. uh, but anyways, anyways, back to the episode. Yeah. Uh, yes, this scene's incredible because it's one of the best. you, it, you start, obviously no one besides maybe me liked Littlefinger at the beginning. Right. Right. You just naturally distrusted Littlefinger, but when you start to realize, like, wait a minute, he kind of is helping Ned. He yes. does have a thing for Catelyn. Maybe he does want to help in the end, and he's right mm-hmm. to question Varys's foreign dignitary. Yeah, uh, claiming that hey, it makes sense because you're from Essos and you're bringing someone from Essos here. Yeah, uh, so maybe you're the traitor. Is very interesting. I also love the line of who's seen who last. Yeah. Uh, Who's when Littlefinger says, "I have seen you more," uh, I have seen you more recently than you last saw me. Yeah, uh, is an incredible line, and I think it's really cool how they have the spy networks, and you have the Littlefinger uh, mockingbirds and or uh, yeah. whatever his uh, sigil is. Yeah, yeah, and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the spiders for uh, for Varys, but it, it really is one of those characters that Varys. He even has a moment in this episode, and I know we haven't gotten there, mm-hmm. where it comes back at the very later season, and it's the idea of Danny's pregnancy. Yeah. It's Varys who is the one who presents it to the council. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that kind of comes back to bite him when Danny finds out about that. Yeah. I think in season seven. Well, right? yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We'll talk about some of that foreshadow. That's a great point. I don't even, I think I forgot to put that one down in my notes. But this yeah. scene, this might be, I don't want to say this is the core of the episode because there's so many great scenes in this episode. But the, the oh, Varys yeah. versus Baelish, again, it, you can watch it on the surface, but you can go down. It's it's, it's loyalty, honor, true goals. And uh, mm. I love that, this is, again, why I love doing this rewatch. With all the hindsight available to us, uh, Baelish doing this for chaos and Varys probably actually being the one doing it for the realm. But you're right. Again, I keep bringing this up in season one. Because of Sean Bean, because of Ned Stark, and because of what you're presented by that character, anyone who's kind of working with Ned at this point, five episodes in, you're like, okay, I think I like them. Like, just I'm rooting for them on the field of play, you know, <laughs> and that and that doesn't take us down the right path all the time. So, um, one other thing to, I want to talk about here, and we were talking about uh, on some of the pre- previous episodes. Uh, when Jamie and Ned have the, the great conversation in front of the throne and, and Jamie puts out the, uh, you know, when I stabbed the king, the king in the back, because of what he did to your father and, and brother, it felt like justice. And, and Ned's just kind of like, oh, is that, is that what you told yourself? And, and Jamie's face just crushed. I, I want to go back to that because this this episode, going to that big scene, let's jump to, there's just more on what is justice or what is right and what is right to do in this world, let's kind of take uh, the real world, uh, though this does bleed into, you know, where we view the world. But in this story, you and I are Tywin Lannister fans. Mm. And often it's because we think, you and I say, he does some of the things that are tough but right. I want to mm. go to the small council scene with Robert Baratheon saying, we got to kill Daenerys, Viserys too, and the baby. We need that. He's been saying that since episode two. Now he's absolutely saying it. And everyone on there, including... Including Renly, and we'll get a call here from a second from our good friend Eric Monroe about Renly. Um, is it, what is right in this world? Is it right for Ned to go the Ned route, Ace, of being honorable? We're not going to kill this child and her baby, 
And I would be on the side. I would go with that direction. Or do we wait until they cross the sea and we have thousands upon thousands of deaths? This is a, a big what if in Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic, right? Because I could I could maybe kind of see the argument for killing Danny, yeah. who is already a threat and who has the Dothraki on her side now. Yeah. But at the same time, I think everything everything has to do with timing, right? Yeah. The idea of preventing something that might be inevitable or that might be a disaster, mm-hmm. but not over preventing to the point that you're so early that you might have been yeah. a little bit slightly immoral and unethical with your actions. Yeah. So I, I think it's more maybe we can wait to see what kind of actions she takes. Like yeah. even even Ned says it. He's like they haven't crossed the sea. Yeah. Like hit me up when when they're you know riding on their horses across the sea. Then I'll be like okay we got to yeah. kill Danny. Like even yeah. he kind of hints at like well if she was like crossing the sea. Or yeah, something like that, or we know she's going to cross the sea, then possibly yeah. Ned would have been like, all right, yeah, maybe we can do something. Mm-hmm. But but that's kind of the thing where it's like, we just found out she's pregnant. Let's not jump to, yeah. let's not do anything hasty. Yeah. And look, and, there's, and, and looking back at Star Wars, something you and I both love and talk a lot about. I mean, there's always these lessons in these myths on, yep, there's ways to fight and win, but there's also value in how you do it. And do you lose yourself? And again, I don't have this is one of those times where I like I don't have the straight answer here. I, I, I think I'd side with Ned and would not want to advocate for the killing of, of a mother and, 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 and her child to be like, I, I, I'm OK saying not what I want to do. But yeah. again, hindsight of the story. Um, but again, Renly says we Eric Monroe's got a call here. We're going to play it right now. Bringing in Renly. Hey, Candy Casually Talk. So, episode five, The Wolf and the Lion. I really like the small council scene where Robert's, you know, saying that Daenerys Targaryen is pregnant and she has to be killed with her unborn child. And one of the reasons I like this scene is a lot of what Robert's fears are and the other members of the small council end up happening in season eight. But another thing about the scene is Renly. He doesn't say a whole lot, but he does say Danny and Viserys should have been killed years ago so he's kind of he's going along with this even sweet gentle gentle renly you know sees sees the threat and it shows me that he is at the end of the day a true baratheon he's a true yeah we love stannis eric and i we're gonna focus on renly in a bit here but yeah the fact that even renly someone i consider a good likable character would would think this again it to me i focus on the what are you what are you sacrificing about yourself to get the victory I go to, and I, I think Danny until the end, you know, not just some of the big moments in season eight, but until some of the final seasons, she's pretty pure of heart in her decisions, uh, even though there's some tough choices and some tough lessons. And I'd say Jon Snow is too, uh, where everyone here, Ned stays through himself, gets killed for everyone else who was like, let's, uh, let's, uh, you know, bend these morals, how we fight this battle, including our beloved Taiwan, as I say, beloved uh, quotations around that. They pay the price. So there is kind of that lesson to be had. Yeah. I I think the idea is who's going to pay the price eventually, right? Because it's the idea of like, maybe I will pay the price, but by then I'll be like 80 years old and I'll be old (laughs) and YOLO. Or maybe I'll pay the price, but maybe my children can have a future. That's kind of the idea of what Tywin is, right? Because Tywin is all about legacy, about like, hey- everyone's coming after my head, yeah. but at least, you know, 
I have someone who's taking care of the West. Yeah. Uh, at least I have someone who's taking my place. Yeah. That's kind of his idea of his justification for all his actions, yeah. um, which is interesting, right? Because he collects all this power uh, and privilege, but he uses that to benefit only his family. He doesn't necessarily right. do it uh, to... For the realm, for the people. <laughs> for the people, or even for even to declare himself as king or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why I love Tywin. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things where I love the scene because uh, Robert says, small council, do what you're supposed to do. Council this man. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone starts like spitting at, at, uh, at Ned, like an intervention where he's like, Ned, let yeah. me tell you, this is bad. This is ugly. It's disgusting, but we got to do it. Friendly, take the mic. And it's like, <laughs> look, let me, and they all each one by one. And then even Littlefinger has a little thing where, where he's like, Hey, if it's an ugly woman, yep. just close your eyes. Like everyone's giving their own version of the same speech to Ned. Yeah. Uh, until eventually he, uh, he quits. It's, I mean, he resigns yeah. over this, which is kind of crazy. Again, and, and the honor of Ned mixed with mm-hmm. the stubbornness of Ned, it's all in between. And look again, this is what we love about the show. This is one of those scenes, especially if you're looking back at this point, you know, you've already, we know Daenerys, if you season one, we've already spent some time with this character. I, I think for the most part, we're on her side or we're rooting for her or, or we want to see more. And it doesn't seem like the right thing to do. And I, again, I, I would say, I don't, think it's the right thing to do but i i understand it like so it's fun it's tough it's part of that stuff uh the game of thrones presents uh one of the other things i really want to talk about uh we did we did this recently before we started the rewatch on uh game of thrones uh robert baratheon's empty soul and what that means uh and there's a lot of uh Lessons in, in Game of Thrones about trauma and moving forward and growth or how do you adapt to the new and how do you process what's gone before. Robert Baratheon has never done that. And there's two tales of it. Uh, you know, if he got if he if he if he was the, the king, Ned says a line about if, if, if the king got what he wanted all the time, he'd still be in a rebellion. He also Robert himself says, I just want to hit somebody. You know, you telling me those cowards will let me win. He just he still wants that. And then we got the great scene with Cersei, just one of the best scenes of the show ever. One of the ones I reference all the time. Uh, where they talk about their marriage, uh, keeping yes. the realm together, hate keeping it together. But he just, he, his soul, his, his heart is so empty and will never be filled. And that's one of the big Game of Thrones. What if, if just, if not, if that, not if he and Cersei had a good marriage, but if he had been able to move past that trauma, the experience of Liana, Liana and the rejection of it and everything yeah. that's gone by, the realm would have been better. And it's juicy, juicy character stuff that Mark Eddie's great at. Talk about Robert Baratheon, man. Oh, it's incredible. Obviously, that entire introduction where he's trying to join the jousting yeah, uh, yeah. and he's so desperate to hit something, like you said, yeah. uh, is is both, like you said, it's both a, an emotional character moment and it's also hysterical, right? Yes. Because uh, we get a lot of funny moments. Obviously, the bre- uh, breastplate stretcher is iconic already in Game of Thrones <laughs> lore. Um, as well as uh, one of my favorite lines, Ken, I, I don't know what the rule is on yeah. Uh, curse words on this show. Is that not allowed? If it's uh, not, know, I say it, man, this is game of Thrones. <laughs> I just love it. Cause it's one of my favorite moments where he <laughs> tells, uh, he tells Robert when his belly is just sticking out and he's like, Robert, you're forgetting something. Uh, and he's like, Oh, what a crazy sight. Bow you, uh, you shits bow, uh, bow before your King. Yeah. Uh, and he just starts cracking up. And I think that's hysterical. It's one of my favorite, lines of game of thrones it's it's also mark eddie does such a good job because we always talk we talk about here of, of just like 
I don't think Robert started out as a bad guy. There's always going to be in these mm. brutal worlds. There's going to be things he's probably done that we wouldn't agree with. And he does end up at, you know, every, anytime he comes on the screen, my girlfriend boos him. And, and I, you know, I, I understand it. I'm not going to take, I wouldn't dare take that away from her. He, Robert does a lot of bad things and causes a lot of problems and started this war. But that one moment with him and Ned, and it's like, all right, I get it. He's a charming, charming guy at one point, man. He could have made some better choices. And I could see why people wanted to follow him. And, and it's an insightful moment into the history of Robert, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we get more of that with the Cersei scene as well. Uh, I still think it's an amazing scene when uh, when they crack up over her response of like what keeps the realm together and she responds our marriage. Yeah. Uh, And Cersei genuinely laughs. It's not a sarcastic laugh. I think it's a very genuinely Cersei kind of having fun and kind of having like a a heart to heart, an emotional heartbreaking heart to heart. Yeah. uh, But heart to heart nonetheless. And I think it's one of those few moments that we get Mm. of a genuine Cersei. We we get a few of them throughout the show, but this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. No. And look, it's one of the all time great scenes. And, And again, it's one of those scenes. Not only, not only is it not in the book, but it was one of those, crap, the episode's running short. Let's come up with something else that we can add. Mm. And well, there's a lot of great moments in previous episodes so far. And it just happens. And you reshoots, that's why you hear about reshoots and all that kind of stuff. So it's a simple scene, dialogue, two actors, uh, a set on a, on a soundstage type of situation. You don't have to go on location. And they throw this together. And this, mm-hmm. is, this is one of the all-time best scenes. And it says a lot yeah. about these characters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is an entire uh, look into the concept of King's Landing and the yeah. the politicking mm-hmm. and the different relationship between someone like a Robert and someone like a Cersei. Yeah. Uh, he even says in this episode, when you speak, it's your father's words that come out. Yeah. And I don't think we've met Tywin yet in season one. No, he's, for this he's in episode seven, right? I think, yeah. Seven or eight. Yeah, I forget which one. But it, it's, uh, it's a moment where we get to see the dynamic of a Lannister and a Baratheon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. incredible. And I even think it's funny when she mentions how Jamie isn't serious enough Oh, yeah. for yeah. the hand rolled. And, and so. Ned. Oh, Ned's pretty serious. Uh, yeah, you talked about uh, a lot of stuff going on in this scene. Uh, one of the big themes, and we talk about loyalty and where that lines, where that lies, but the going back to a little bit to the Varys Baylor scene about who true power, true goals, power and power is power, knowledge is power. We all, we all know those lines of Game of Thrones. But going back to the beginning of this episode, we get another great Sir Barristan moment. We haven't spent a ton, ton of time with him, but he mm. stands vigil for Sir Hugh and, and, and says, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, kind of quieter favorite lines in Game of Thrones is, I stood vigil for him myself last night. He had no one. And immediately you're like, that's a save the cat moment. That's a, where you start liking a character for their actions and who they are and, and, their, and their fiber. Um, but in that conversation, Ned says to me one of the themes of, quite frankly, the entire show, but just like uh, they're talking about Sir Hugh and how he drew straws to fight Gregor, Sir Gregor, and, you know, embarrassed and implying, well, kind of random. But Ned asks, but who who holds the straws? And this concept yeah. of power, control, and what we're working against when you don't know. Mm-hmm. That going back to the Varys scene in the Baelish, Baelish conversation, like we don't know that Baelish just wants chaos because it's a ladder he'll climb. We don't really believe that Varys just wants to be right for the realm, do things right for the realm, as brutal as it may be. Same with Robert and those big questions we were talking about there. But I love that moment. Who holds the straws? Is that a good Game of Thrones subtitle? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, considering that 
all of Game of Thrones is this idea of power and yeah. what is power? Is power a position or mm. is power the person who influences the decisions of the right. position, right? Is it the king or is it the person who's telling the yeah. king what to do? Uh, it really is an, a, a commentary on even politics in, in the U.S. of the mm. idea of these politicians who mm-hmm. are in positions of power, quote, end quote. Yeah. But in reality, they're just kind of following what the lobbyist or what their donors are saying, yeah. which come from massive corporations, which yeah. is the real power inside a capitalistic system like America. Um, I, yeah, it, it's incredible commentary on the yeah. influence of power dominating a country. And, and, and look, look, look what we have several times already being mentioned and look, look, look what we have later on with the iron bank, but Taiwan and their gold. Mm. And, and then Taiwan reveals later on, we haven't pulled gold out in years. It's a lie. Yeah. Uh, and then Loris and, and talking to Renly, that, that great scene mm-hmm. and, and Finn Jones kind of really showing up on the scene as Loris Tyrell here, uh, front and center. Um, uh, just like I'm, I'm rich too. And that, that'll, that'll, we'll back you. Like we'll support you. Yeah. That's where a lot of the power is and, and, and what we're working against. Yeah, so it's great stuff. And it's just a great scene, touching little scene. I love their connection, Ned and Barristan having once fought each other. But again, who holds the straws? Something pretty pretty important question to answer at every episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, it's an incredible scene because obviously it has that moment. But it also mentions the Battle of the Trident, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great moment as well. And it mentions how Barristan is probably considered the best fighter yeah. in all the kingdom. I think he even says it. Ned says it. Um, yeah, that he's considered to be the best fighter in all the kingdom, which shows who exactly Barristan Selmy is. He's like yeah. the highest level knight that you can possibly reach, uh, which I think is incredible because we all love to see the whole who's the best kind of thing. Yeah, who's the best? And Barristan is one of the best. One of the other great scenes that also ties into one of the lessons here. And we're, after we'll take after the break, we'll go into important foreshadowing, things with more meaning, and our favorite scenes and moments too. But wrapping up the discussion on some of the themes here. Uh, Sir Loris defeating Sir Gregor is a, mm. is, a, is a knowledge over might kind of lesson and theme there using his, his uh, you know, the horse that he knows is in heat and all that kind of stuff, using it against Sir Gregor. But Sansa, who goes on a quite a painful at times journey, but learns a lot by the, by the end, as we know, uh, says here pretty simply, there is no honor in tricks. And I wonder mm-hmm. if season eight Sansa would look at this Sansa and be like, you're right. But that's not the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where it's like, if you realize that if you can get away with it and it's right. technically not going to hurt <laughs> you or anyone close to you, it's all good. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's an incredible moment. And obviously the whole Night of the Flowers moment is a, is a great yeah. moment as well with Sansa realizing that. And I love Littlefinger's response of, but there's quite a bit of gold. Yeah. Uh, as he as he responds to her comment too, yeah, yeah, love that there. Uh, and, and we we talk about it, but we got a little bit of a Clegane Bowl pregame. That that, yeah. that uh, those syllables always stick in my uh, throat. There, uh, one of the final things. Uh, Brand gives us kind of the house lesson. We get house lessons through mm-hmm. Brand with Maester Lewin, but uh, family duty, honor again, the order of loyalty. This is something that Rachel definitely brought up in uh, I think episode two here of our rewatch of just. What is the order? And it's pretty clear as we're getting some exposition and lessons uh, from Bran and he's getting told, hey, you can still learn to shoot a bow, all that kind of stuff. But we learn family, duty, honor, and what really is the right order? I don't know the answer, Ace. I don't know the answer. That is an incredible moment. I love it because it's a quick little history lesson, house lesson, and map lesson 
uh, very brief, but as someone who's a map guy and, and a house guy of Game of Thrones, who I used to know like all of these, uh, and I used to know all the words as well. Mm-hmm. It was a fun moment of seeing how the locations are are set up uh, and how everything is in place. I, I think it's both a moment of, of like we're teaching brand, yeah. but we're also teaching the audience uh, what these houses are, what the words are, um, and what represents what. Because we find out, obviously, the Tully words. Yeah. Uh, but we also get, Ken, uh, my words, uh, I'm bowed, I'm bent, I'm broken. You like those. The Martell yes. woes. Yes. Th- those are my favorite words. And obviously, it's my house as well, House That's Martell. House. And yeah, uh, yeah they, those words mean a lot to them. And it uh, generally, in their history, has worked out. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. On the podcast side, if you're watching the YouTube version, we'll stick around while I uh, do the old file switch on the podcast. Very glamorous production work going on here. But Ace and I will chat in the break. This is Casterly Talk Game of Thrones Rewatch. We're looking at Episode 5, The Wolf and the Lion. We'll be back after this. Hey there, everybody. My name is John Mariano, and I'm from the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. I am here to let you know that we have a plethora of shows on the Feeding the Monster podcast feed, and whatever you do, do not tune in. You don't want to hear from Corey Morissette, Jeff Hillbilly, Scripps Saunders, Mark Eden Kleyer, Thomas Wrestling, or myself. All of our shows are hot garbage. They are structured stupidity, and they are not worth your listen. So whatever you do, do not tune in to the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. We do not want any new fans at all. Back to you. Hey, it's Alden Diaz here to tell you about Octo Radio. It's an interview show that I do exploring the different passionate Star Wars perspectives from artists, writers, crafters, and even other podcasters, plus even some people straight from Lucasfilm. So you can come hang out on my podcast island and celebrate the Star Wars ties that bind us together. Oh yeah, what the pork said. You can follow us everywhere on social at A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's Octo Radio. And follow me at A-D underscore Strider. And we're back here on Casually Talk, the 81st episode of the show overall, but the fifth in our rewatch of Game of Thrones, going back to the beginning. Uh, joining us this uh, week on uh, both the podcast and the YouTube side is Andres Ace Cabrera. This is one of his uh, homes. We love having him on, talking Game of Thrones. He's so darn good at it. Uh, but, uh, Andres, we're going to start diving into uh, favorite moments uh, and foreshadowing. One of the things of uh, you know going back and doing this rewatch with the entire story complete now, because it's something we would do even during uh, the run of the show, is going back and looking at scenes, and there's either foreshadowing, which is fun, which carry their own kind of lessons and ominous warnings and just kind of fun little clues for us, but also things just simply that have more meaning, an emotional meaning. Uh, I'll start one of my ones. is uh, We talked a little bit last week, but anytime now in season one you got Theon and Bran kind of going at each other and kind of interacting because they're the ones left at Winterfell. Not just what's going to happen in Season 2 with them, but going all the way to the end in Season 8 and some of the final decisions Theon makes to kind of maybe right his own personal ship as best he could. I, every time I watch them, Ace, I just I, there's a little tug on my heart now. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, think about the idea of the foreshadowing moment of yeah. Theon going out protecting Bran at the very end. Yeah. Uh, if 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 only he could have hung on for a little bit longer, <laughs> Arya would have been in the back. It would have saved him. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah. he had to go out. Uh, it yeah. was the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but he went out like a boss, and that's he the did. important part. He did. Of, of all the deaths, I I I I I 
I really love that one. I, and sad is I bittersweet for me with Jorah's death too, but that one works. Uh, any uh, moments for you that now have watching this? You're like, oh gosh, that means something uh, a lot more now. Or foreshadowing. Oh yes, we get one big moment, uh, and that is uh, Braun and Tyrion at the Veil. Yes. Uh, shout out to the friendship of Braun and Tyrion. Yep. But the ten good men to impregnate the bitch. Yeah comes back in the end i i loved it because i was like oh my god that's the moment um that's the one. and it's also the idea of this relationship that i b- believe is first introduced in this episode uh between braun and Tyrion when we yeah. find out that he's like one of the best fighters we've ever seen when he yeah. takes out the hills tribe people um yeah. and eventually Tyrion responds to his comment with i like you yeah. um which eventually shows what they're going to become in the very end. Yes. Uh, and I swear to you, man, Braun became such a fan favorite that he just got away with everything in this show. Yep. It's kind of it's kind of insane if you really think about it. Yeah. Where it's like, really? Did it? What was his title at the very end? I forget. It was like the veil. Did uh, well, he, no, he didn't get the veil. He got the high garden, right? Yeah. Well, he got uh, he got the Stokeworth uh, Castle Stokeworth for a while. Then yeah, then he moves yeah. over. Yeah, you're right. Um, the Reach. He's, the Reach. He's the, I mean, he's got so much, and I I think we know for a fact. You know, they they kept him around. He's he's still alive in the books and whatever you want to play that game. But you can't argue he's lesser. He's a lesser character by the by later yeah. plot points in the books. Uh, not so much here because Jerome Flynn is so damn good. And we saw him a little bit last week at Tyrion giving him the gold for the room. And this week, yeah, I, I put the note of just brawn in action. We really see it. We start to be like, okay, this guy's going to be around a bit. He's not just some extra. He, we got it. And, of course, if you knew Jerome Flynn, Jerome Flynn, you'd be like, oh, he, he's playing brawn. We get it. But uh, especially for me, watching for the first time around in, in 2011 going, all right, I'm like Tyrion. I like this guy. I like this guy. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we also get the moment of Tyrion speaking to Catelyn about, mm. you know, what sort of an imbecile arms an assassin with a dagger, his own dagger. Um, I think that's an incredible line. And it's a line that kind of describes Tyrion in a nutshell, yeah. where you know he's smarter than everyone else, but he's also like funny the way he does it and he yeah. says it. Um, we get, yeah, we get the slanted cells, the sky cells in the veil, Lord. Lysa Stark. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Lysa. Lysa uh, Aaron, yeah. Um, yeah, my bad. Um, uh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, about that whole sequence, you you, you brought up the Tyrion stuff. Is, I, I've, I've, I've issued my official apology to Catelyn Stark. Over, over the years, I felt I've, I was a little, a little overly harsh on her decision to take Tyrion um, captive on the road. It was maybe in the end a bad move and everything, but I, I, mm-hmm. I, I used to be a little more harsh on the character. Uh, now I'm like, nah, I get it. You're fiercely loyal. Um in fact, Maester Lewin talks uh, in Bran. Uh, that's kind of one of the moments that means more to me now is when he tells Bran, you know, she'll love you fiercely until her death. And we know what's coming with that. But going to this, as as it starts to unravel, it means a little more to me now, too, where she's made this big decision that essentially launches a war here. That's why I used to kind of put it on her shoulders. Totally unfair of me, but I did it. But as, as Tyrion's like, oh, am I starting to make too much sense? Yeah, when was the last time you saw your sister? When she walks in and sees uh, Sir, you know, or, or, or Robin, uh, you know, um, Sir Varys takes him up and Robin's breastfeeding and Lysa Aaron's crazy and it starts to dawn on Catelyn Stark. Now this watching this, that, like, that just had not a specific more meaning for me now, but I'm just looking at it going, yeah, uh-oh, you might have, maybe maybe you should turn around some of the decisions you made here. 
Yeah, maybe you should have talked to Tyrion beforehand. <laughs> Ask him if he did it. <laughs> Even though he would have probably denied it, he probably would have made some points. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the yeah. the line reading of, of Peter Dinklage in that one line, it's two words. You said it already. But when he says, she's changed. Like the way he says it is so spot on where he's like, have you seen your sister? She's changed. She's like, my God, yeah. you're going to be in for a trip. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredible line reading. Yeah. And hey, look, you know, I think Jamie makes rash, rash decision in this thing, too. So, again, it's not Catelyn's not the only one making rash decisions for the betterment of her, her family. But big one here. And as it starts to dawn on her face, you get it. So there's that. I talked about the Mr. Lewin one. Um, this is uh, we. Oh, we got I love Renly kind of talking about King Robert going hunting. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. That hunting trip's not going to be a good one. And we know that. We now know that's George R. R. Martin's least favorite scene in all of Game of Thrones because of the budget reasons. Revealed mm-hmm. that this past week. Um, so there's that. A um, couple more for me. Uh, King Robert talking about the Dothraki army. Five, uh, five, one, uh, landing on the shores and, 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 and the need for one unified army. Out of that great conversation we already talked about. But it's one of those moments you look back, you're like, yep, yep. Um, when it finally happens, there were some people that saw this coming, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's an incredible moment as well. Uh, I, I want to shout out before I get to the final one, before I get to the Jamie and, and Ned, because I feel like yeah. I have to shout that out. Yeah. Uh, a funny line. I think it's hysterical is when Arya uh, talks about the conversation that she overheard with Illyrio. Yeah. Uh, and she says, like, I overheard this crazy conversation. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I didn't see their faces, but I'm pretty sure one of them was fat. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just a funny line where she's like, I didn't hear, I didn't see them, but yeah. I'm, I'm guaranteed one of them is fat. I just know it. What we, uh, what, thank you, Ari. Thank you, Ari, Ari for that information. Yeah. yeah. Great scene. Uh, and, and, and later, and it's not like a big reveal of foreshadowing, but just knowing later on that she probably would, would have the skills to spy completely and know, know the game that's going on. But here she's young. Mm, that is, a, that is foreshadowing. Think about it. She yeah. moved like a cat like a cat at the very last scene. You didn't even hear her sneaking up on you. Yeah. Uh, the night's King. Uh, if you, if he, if he only realized that she was literally training with a cat when she was younger. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the moments it's, it, it's, uh, it's foreshadowing on a, on a smaller level. Not we, we mentioned it. I think some of the, when you and I have been talking about the other episodes, but when she gets, uh, goes, shows back up, uh, what is it? Winterfell. And, uh, they're like two guards are blocking her at the gate. Like, ah, you're not getting in here. And here, here's the first time it happens, you know, where, you know, that, that, that's a great scene of, you know, you little see her shouldn't get away. And she's like, my father's the hand of the King. I love that kind of runner with, with Arya as a character. Um, the idea too, of Ned fiercely refusing to go along with the plot, uh, to murder Danny for bigger reasons, for honor reasons and all those kind of things. Um, I think it's a tale of his honor, but also to me, I've always taken a little bit as, another one of his protecting John moments and just in his head, I I've always thought there's probably some percentage. Again, I think it's mostly about Danny and, and, and not wanting to, to be okay with that murder plot, but just the idea of uh, if he kills that Targaryen and finds out there's another one, he will probably try to kill John. And I'm trying to stop that now. I've always taken it as that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I didn't even catch on to that, but that's spot on. I definitely feel that as well, considering that he knows uh, what happened. Uh, Yeah, that's that's spot on. I didn't even realize that. That's great. Just one of those little things. You know, again, I think it's again, the scene is mostly about Danny and uh, that. But but it's got to be there, too. Any other foreshadowing or moments that just tug on your heart a little bit more now? 
Ooh, uh, let me look through my notes. I yeah. think I named all of mine. The only, only other moment I have is uh, Marion, Marillion, Marillion, singing. <laughs> oh yeah, as uh, as Tyrion descends from his horse and is just singing everything Tyrion's doing. Yes. Uh, shout out to him because he gets it bad in uh, what is it, season three or four? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Singing. Uh, so singing about Robert's death. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a tough one there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tyrion gets his first kill. I thought that was something that's noteworthy. Oh yeah, and a brutal scene. And it, you know, it, it makes me think of Jorah put, put a uh, you know put a sword in a man's hand. There's a beast in every man. You put it and it stirs me to put a sword in his hand. A shield too, apparently. Yeah, and I love the uh, the counter from Bronn when he's like, "You need a woman," uh, and he looks at Catelyn, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm down if she's down." <laughs> I'm uh, she's and Bronn laughs and is like, "Hey, I like this guy." Yeah. Uh, and then the final one I have, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I said, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the final one I have is uh Jamie versus Ned. I yeah. think that's, I mean, I, we, we always want to see a fight, right? So this is the idea of the legendary Jamie Lannister mm-hmm. versus a, a, a slightly older, not yeah. so much in his prime Ned who eventually what the Ned who took down the sword of the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in a way, Ned is a legend too. Yeah. Uh, considering of his legendary status with uh, with Dane, yep. so I thought it was a fun fight. Obviously, it's not the best fight. Uh, yeah. I still think that Jamie would have won in the end, if I'm being honest. Oh sure, uh, yeah. Well, I think Ned feels that. I think when he met, says something about like you know, if you kill me, it's almost like if you strike me down, I'll be more powerful than you can imagine. Type of Obi Wan line. I think he knows it, but th- this this fight's been gearing up since episode one. Anytime they've been going back and forth with the war of words, and so to finally see it, especially going back to 2011, watching this first time, when you just don't know what's happening if you haven't read the books yet. I mean, this is it. Like I said, this is when the action in the show really kicked up. We're like, all right, enough talking. Now we're seeing this happen. And my, my, my heart was in my throat the first time I watched this. And it's fun to kind of relive it now, especially because you can see the budget's a little less, the set's a little uh, smaller. <laughs> it seems uh, seems smaller scale than the stuff that comes later on in the show. Understandable budget reasons and whatnot. Uh, great moment. Great scene. We'll talk. We can talk a little bit about that uh, at the end about some of Jamie's sense of weird honor too in that. But other other kind of favorite moments for me, you got you got the Mountain versus the Hound pregame uh, warm up as I'm calling it, like you said. Um uh game ball uh, point one, I know. Um uh, but I I, I I love the hound just when Laura says something, thank you, sir. And he, I'm no thank sir. You, just, yeah, I'm no sir. Yeah. It's it's just part of his character and it's ingrained and to see it there. Um this is also our first deal, first real time with Roz. We'd seen Roz before. Uh, Esme Bianca was just supposed to be there just kind of uh, day player, whatever. And then they liked her enough to keep around. And then she's mentioned she's, she's around. John mentions her Tyrion Theon. Uh, and we know where she ends up going. And and to me, I, I love to celebrate this character and it's a weird scene. We get, we get, you know, it's a, it's a sex position scene with Theon. Let's not hide that, but through that and seeing that's what she does, that's her job, uh, you see her insight, her knowledge. She knows her place in this world, but then knows how to make that work and does want to get out of that or move on into something else. And so, uh, you know, her talent is seen by Baelish. So I know, I've always liked Roz as just a character for what she does bring. Uh, and, and you get to see in her own way. She's fighting her own battles and and and, and working her own story, trying to control it as, as best she can going forward. And I, I like that stuff. Yeah, big shout out to Ross. She's definitely one of the characters that 
yeah. developed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I have written down here, and I didn't even realize it because I, I, we moved past it so quickly, is a, a quick little moment when Loras, uh, uh, Loras Tyrell gives the rose to Sansa. Yeah. And looking at it now, I was like, wait a minute, is this kind of like a nod towards the tourney at Harrenhal? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with Rhaegar uh, and, and the Blue Winter Rose that he gave to uh, Lyanna. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I might be reading too much into that, but I just thought of it. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, that's like a cool little nod. Yeah. I mean, if it's, I mean, obviously Loris, uh, you know, a little different interest, is, uh, interest in Rhaegar. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, I think it could be just also just as a fun lore kind of connection. Yeah, uh, but it's. It, I had that moment down too because it is, is. It is. You know what happened. You know their their kind of tale and and her kind of uh, Sansa working with the Terrell family. Just kind of see this interaction and kind of her her kind of uh, obsession. Uh, you know, fatuation maybe is more the word with with Loras down the line and and and, and it's present here too. Um, mm-hmm. And I love Finn Jones. I think Finn Jones is really great. I just think did a, a you know a great job with with uh, Loras Tyrell. Iron Fist, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, this could also be a quick, and, and I can't even mm-hmm. forget, I can't believe I'm realizing this now, the idea of him giving the rose to the prettiest girl in the crowd as he kind of like winks at, at Renly, not winks at Renly, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think this was a tell to the audience saying like, hey, yeah, yeah. this guy had zero interest in girls, yeah. but he's just faking it to to please the crowd. Yeah, and part of part of the game, part of uh, who's uh, who's uh, holding those uh, those those uh, uh, dr- straws to draw. Uh, tiny moment here: Yorin meeting Arya uh, and calling Arya a boy um, beyond just a you know a kind of a little bit of a running bit in season one, but where that factors in in Baylor in that episode uh, nine, and Yorin taking her north and just and, and just what's going to happen when that really mean when he's like, "No, you're a boy right now." Like, I I, I like that little nod, a little foreshadowing, but also just a. A fun, a fun, not fun, but a good moment for me. Mm-hmm. And I like yeah, that. Um, all right, let's talk some Ned stuff here to start to uh, wrap this up here a little bit here on a fun episode to dive into. Uh, we've got the, the fight, but also this is what I call one of the biggest what ifs in Game of Thrones. One that we've talked a lot about here on Casterly Talk and, and before under the Daily Thrones banner. Ned takes off the, uh, the 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 hand of the king uh, designation there um, he's out he's packing up Jora uh, Jory, Jory not Jora Jory go get the girls he's almost there when Bayless shows up and then even then it's kind of like uh, all right this is the biggest what if if he had just this one time stayed stubborn to his uh, uh, to himself and got out of town what do you think about this scene now? Wow, that's such an interesting dynamic, considering even if he did get out, I mean, obviously his life would have probably been saved, yeah. but war would have still been inevitable, right? right. I mean, considering yeah. that Tyrion is pretty much at the Vale already, yeah. uh, awaiting his sentence. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Obviously, it still would have been... Uh, the wolf and the lion in the end, I feel considering that yeah. if Tyrion is still not free, then there still would have been a war, even though like a few episodes later, Tyrion gets free because of Bronn yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in his own weird way. Uh, but yeah, this was definitely, yeah, that's a great moment. I love little fingers drop. I love it so much when he's like, Hey, when are you leaving? And he's like, I, I don't know, man. And he's like, well, if you're still here by tonight, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you something good. Last person, uh, uh, yeah. Aaron saw. So 
Yep. If you want to stick around and he's like, well, I got to go. It's up to you. It's yeah, up yeah. to you. <laughs> you know, if you want to help your buddy, you're still like Robert, right? No, you're mad at him. I know he was yelling at you, but hey, I'll show you something. Yeah. And yeah, again, what ifs or what ifs are fun. You can, you know, we'll never know. And that's part of the story. This has to happen to, for the story to work, I guess. But I just still, I still watch it. I remember watching it, you know, by the time, you know, by the time you learn what happens to Ned again, and if you know, you know, but it's probably more frustrating if you've read the books and you're watching season one, you're like, it's right there, Sean Bean, turn around. But just going back, even, even rewatching within season one, just going back to this moment, it's always broken my heart because he's just right there, man. He's packing Mm -hmm. up. He's literally like, all right, damn it. Damn it, Baelish. And he goes for it there. Yeah. goes to the brothel, sees uh, Robert's, uh, uh, I think daughter, right? Bastard daughter there. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But the fight happens. The fight mm-hmm. happens with Jamie. You talked about it. Um, what do you think about Jamie? A character that I, I think you and I uh, go on to like, right? Like, we go on yeah. to feel for Love Jamie. You. Yeah. What do you think about Jamie in this moment? His sense of honor, justice, loyalty. Again, we're talking about honor of loyalty. Ned Ned in, in Stain puts maybe the loyalty in, in, uh, that he feels towards Robert above loyalty to himself and his family by Stain. Mm-hmm. Jamie, family loyalty over the realm right now, over politics, over anything else. You can see uh, where it gets them. Uh, what do you think about Jamie, his sense of loyalty, and, and what happens in this scene here? Well, it's interesting, right? Because it's even a little echo with Tyrion when he says, you know, if anyone lays a hand on me, you'll have to hear about... Jamie Lannister coming after you. Yeah. Um, so it gives that little echo of the two brothers mentioning each other and kind of defending each other and claiming each other as brothers, uh, being each other's defender. Uh, and I love the idea of Jamie fighting for Tyrion. We get that moment of like, oh, we hate this guy. He just pushed a kid off a building. Uh, he's not a good guy. And yet he's fighting for his brother that we're actually kind of on board for as a character yeah. with Tyrion. Cause I feel right. like at this point, audiences like Tyrion yeah. um, or at least are starting to like Tyrion. Uh, yeah. It's a great moment because it really is a, a more human moment from Jamie Lannister yeah. than anything else. But at the same time, this moment comes back in a few episodes later with Tywin. Mm. And I believe Tywin, correct me if I'm wrong, says you should have killed Ned yeah. right then and there. Yeah. And again, Going back to even the conversation we're having about Daenerys and, and Ned's, yeah, hear me out, folks. Like I, I, I'm not saying I would have, I would like Ty, Tywin in real life, but in the world of Game of Thrones and Westeros, I don't think Tywin's wrong. <laughs> I don't think Tywin's wrong. Uh, if 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 the goal is the is house loyalty uh, and winning, it's always not not always the goals in life. And I think I do think it's important how you fight these things. And 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 Jen, Jamie has that little. This comes from some kind of sense of honor. Like, I want to mm-hmm. prove myself. It is a little bit of a puffing of the chest, but, you know, he's not happy about it. But, yeah, Tywin, Tywin not happy about this. Yeah, this definitely comes back to bite him in, in Tywin's introduction when yeah. he goes after Jamie. Uh, it's a great moment because we see Jamie as one of the players, right, in the games, at yeah. least kind of a player. And then Tywin shows up and just squashes him. And he's like, you're not even in the game. Like, you haven't even stepped up. So it's great. Yeah. Uh, I got some uh, stars of the episode. Uh, we always kind of highlight some actors, uh, you know, uh, big and small uh, all through this. But I, I mentioned them. But f- I, I would really do like f- 
Finn Jones, and he goes on to be an Iron Fist and 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 all that stuff. But I think here he just really I, I love I do like the, the the shaving scene with Renly and everything. He just makes a compelling case, and it's a and, and it's it's key to Renly's character and, and Loras is uh, there's loyalty too as well. So I, I like that. And the Conleth Hill, this is this is we'd already mm-hmm. met him, we've already seen him, we've already got some great scenes with him. But this episode, it just he just takes it to a new level. It's insane. His scenes are insane. How good he is. Uh, his little character beats. Uh, his his nonverbals. Uh, yes. It's spot on. I think he's he steals the show in my opinion. This episode. At this least. episode. Yeah. And, and look, every. I mean, obviously, every episode. Everyone brings it. Uh, you know, Aiden Gillen. Uh, you know, one of the mm-hmm. reasons Baelish is such an interesting character. I, I he, he is in the books, but I just think Aiden Gillen took it to new levels. But Conleth Hill takes Varys to amazing levels, amazing heights in this episode. Any stars for for you uh, that uh, I haven't mentioned? Ooh, yeah, I mean the actor for Renly. I mean you're going to have to help me with names of actors, right? Uh, I think he does well as well in this episode. He has small moments, but that moment yeah. with Finn Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shaving scene, I think, is pretty spot on as well. Yeah. Uh, Gethin, uh, Gethin Anthony is uh, is the performer. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, totally. Yeah, and I and if I guess I have to do a final one, I'm I can never pronounce his name. Barris did sell me actor. <laughs> oh, uh, Ian McElhenney. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, McElhenney, maybe. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, Jan Dodonna from Rogue One. Yes, uh, so, he is. You've, so you've told <laughs> us. Uh, he's so great. Uh, he's just amazing. I, I love him. I, I really do love him. And and uh, yeah, he's he's great here too. And I, you know, shout out to to uh, Kate Dickey as uh, Eliza Aaron, who uh, you know playing that role, and it's a prosthetic. Uh, a breast uh, that uh, Robin's uh, suckling on there, and she, Kate Dick, the act, the, the performer, the actor was like, I just hope people realize that was not real. Um, but she really went all out, and 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 that's what you, these performers bring. They bring these characters off the page, and 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 they're well written on the page both most of the time. But they take them to new heights, and and often George R. R. Martin will say, especially when he's more involved early. In uh, the show, uh, in the early season, just like they, they, these performers brought something in, in, uh, and changed even my perspective on some of the characters there. Um, as we start to close, I mentioned some of my favorite quotes in this episode. I really do like Sir Barristan, but I stood vigil for himself, uh, for himself, for for him myself last night. Uh, he had no one uh, who hold the straws, but Varys saying, uh, you know, talking to Ned about why John Aaron was was killed, and, and Varys just says he started asking questions. Always kind of a little chilly, chilling kind of line there. Yeah, that's a great one as well. Uh, obviously, you said I'm no sir from the Hound. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the ones I, I did as well, but I'll mention them again. Yeah. Uh, the Little Finger, uh, I think I last saw, uh, I, I think I've seen you more recently than you last saw me. Yeah. I think that line is a great, like, comeback line. Yeah. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, yeah, bronze, give me 10 good men. That's and climbing spikes, and I'll impregnate the bitch is bad. probably. That's a, that's an important one. That one's uh, to go on. Yeah, and and even Varys with his uh, you know, when he's at, where's your balls? You know, I, you know, I don't know. And 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 we used to be so close. <laughs> that uh, that's great, uh, Tyrion. Uh, when Lysa mentions Aaron, and he uh, and and threatens him and says he's the killer. Yeah, and Tyrion's like, oh, did I kill him too? I've been a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Great stuff. And, and, and we get to meet more and finally uh, guarding those sky cells. Uh, great look back at episode five, uh, the, the wolf and the lion, man. Uh, uh, love doing this with the ace. Let's do it again real soon. Uh, this yeah. is an episode. Again, you go back and this, the show really starts 
kicking up. It's already pulled you in, but now the action and the is going. The intrigue is flowing. Uh, great episode to look back on on uh, with you there. So we're almost done here on Casterly Tuck. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, take it back. Take it back. Take it back. I got those calls. I want to play those calls here. Um, I I skipped that part of my notes. I apologize. We got a uh, kind of a two parter here from uh, Donald Long about Robert and Cersei. Hey, Casterly Talk. Just wanted to talk about the Robert and Cersei scene. But more importantly, the moment talked about Diana and what that name alone what meant to them in their marriage. Where in Cersei, no matter what she said or did, it would never matter to Robert because she would never she would never be her. And then Robert's turn, he's really just holding on to the name because he confesses he can't remember what she used to look like. So he's really just holding on to the name and the memory of what she meant to him. And then the lie, what he thought she he meant to her. And we get a little bit of the why he probably always told himself the theory that he always told himself until it was true that Rhaegar took that love away from him and killed it. And no matter being king, no matter the seven kingdoms, it would never matter because he would never have Lyanna with him. And hey, sorry it's a two-parter, but just wanted to bring up this quote. It's okay, Doug. Part of this quote that Cersei had in this scene is of what harm can Lyanna Stark's ghost do to either of us now? Which, looking back of it, it's kind of funny how much harm it could do, could have done and kind of really will do later on in the series of that ghost being in the form of John. But also, this scene, we know, fun fact about the scene, we know this scene wasn't in the books, but also this scene was only written and then later on put in this this episode because this episode was running short on time. So if it wasn't for that, we almost never would have got the scene. Yeah. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, Thank you, Donald. Uh, Great call. Uh, I, I, that's, I I definitely want to get that call. A great insight to Donald about that scene Mm. and, and, and Leanna, but I love that he said about, uh, the ghost of, uh, Leanna Stark. It does in a way (laughs) come back to haunt, uh, Cersei with Jon Snow showing up to kind of, uh, ruin some of her plans later on. So there's some foreshadowing there as well. I love that. I love this, the idea of, of John representing that and representing Lyanna Stark in so many different ways. Uh, I also love that maybe it's just me, but as soon as she said that, re-watching this episode, I thought of Jenny's song. Is that what it's called? Jenny's yeah, yeah. old song? Jenny Voldstones, yeah, yeah. Jenny Voldstones, yeah, with uh, Jenny uh, would dance with her ghost. Jenny would dance with her ghost uh, <laughs> is uh, one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yo, maybe Liana could dance, though. Yeah. Maybe, she, maybe she can get down. Maybe. Ghost can get down, man. Awesome. Uh, that's awesome, man. And uh, this one, uh, I wanted to play. This is uh, not necessarily about this episode, but uh, Addie's uh, back. She's been calling in uh, a lot, and uh, we love Addie's uh, thoughts here. And she's catching up with the rewatch, catching up with the show. So she had a thought after watching episode one, the pilot, and how that goes to a, a, a last scene with a, an important character. Here we go. Hey, Ken and Casterly Talk. Addie again. Sorry it's been a while. I'm behind on my podcasts, and I'm behind on my rewatch. But between watching the pilot again to be able to listen to the rewatch episodes and thinking about the question you posed a couple weeks ago about or that another caller came in with with the rhyming of first and last scenes, I wanted to bring up Daenerys's first scene for again because I'm watching it right now and we all think of it in terms of the bathtub and we should have known. But if we go even earlier, there is some poetry there too. Her first scene her first lines of dialogue are with Viserys regarding her role in all of this and not wanting to wake the dragon. And her last lines of dialogue with John 
are a story about Viserys telling her about the Iron Throne and her not being able to picture the number of blades because she couldn't count to 20. Great stuff from Addie there. Yeah, we've been talking about some of the, you know, first scenes to last scenes and what those mean. And and, and uh, we've been focusing a lot about John. Addie's right. Uh, uh, I, this is what I'm looking I'm looking forward to getting to season eight and kind of really a- analyzing Danny's fall, but that final moment, uh, harkening back to yeah, Viserys when it was, and it was kind of weird for me. I remember watching season eight, and I, I mean weird in a good way, of just like wow, Danny having any kind of positive nostalgia, if you will, for Viserys on any level, does show a little bit of a uh, where, where the mind, where her mind might have gone. You know, um, bigger conversations to have around that. But I, I like this. I like what Addie's bringing up here. What do you think about the first and last for Danny? Yeah, that's kind of incredible, right? I, I obviously we go back to that scene, uh, Danny's last scene in the entire show in season eight, yeah. when she's kind of remembering Viserys in a different way than we remember. Yeah, uh, where she's like, "Oh man, remember my brother Viserys? Ah, oh, I miss <laughs> that guy. Good guy. What a guy!" Yeah, and 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 it, we're like, "What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you like see that guy die and like yeah, yeah. you were cool with it, like yeah. happy and relieved?" Yeah. Um, but the idea that Viserys starts out as like already one of the most despicable characters mm-hmm. in the show right off the bat in episode one. Yeah. Uh, and she references him in kind of a beloved way in the finale is kind of interesting as well. Yeah. It's that's, yeah, that's a great, great connection. I love, Absolutely. Yeah. I love that Eddie brought that up because it's something I'm definitely gonna be paying attention to going forward too, as we track that there. All right. So there we go. That's our look at episode five. I didn't, I did want to get to those calls. I appreciate you all. Let me uh, uh, get those into the episode here. We're almost done here, as I uh, said before. But if you want to contact Casterly Talk and be on the show uh, with a call, uh, go reach out via the Anchor app, uh, and you got uh, you got fifty nine seconds or so. A two parters, okay. If you get to, you got some good points, like our, our friend Ranger Donald, we call him around these parts, Donald Long. Uh, you can do that. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at Kenapsuck or go to my website Kenapsuck.com. I do want to highlight that coming up. October 10th will be a live Star Wars comedy variety show that I'll be a part of. It's Riley's Cantina live from El Cid on the Sunset Strip. No audience members in the building. You'll be the audience at home. Just go to TicketWeb.com for tickets or go to KenNapsack.com. Click on the events page. You can buy tickets. We have VIP tickets with exclusive merch or general mission. Uh, VIP will also get you a live Q&A after the show, a virtual Q&A. So a lot of... A lot of fun stuff there. A special guest, including Rachel Cushing. She'll be uh, on stage with us. So we're going to do it uh, right and responsibly, but uh, we're going to have a fun show. Uh, other special guests uh, lined up as well, including Jennifer Landa, Joseph Scrimshaw, Josh McCuga, Nathan Hamill, and more. Oh, and the Wangers being part of it, too. It's a comedy variety show all about Star Wars, me and Mark Riley. So that's coming up on October 10th, 7 p.m. Pacific, live, but the link will live for a couple days if you can't watch it that night. So that's what I got going on. But uh, Andres, I also, number one, want to thank you for uh, coming to your uh, Game of Thrones home or one of your Game of Thrones home. You can talk about Game of Thrones all over this uh, fine seven kingdoms as far as I'm concerned. But um, I uh, uh, want to highlight again what you're doing on your uh, channel over there, the first cut, and what you've uh, specifically launched with MF5, the Sabak the Block uh, Star Wars show. Tell us all Abs- about it again. Absolutely, yeah. Tuesday, October 6th is our premiere day. October 6th at 6 p.m. live, we are doing Sabak the Block, a new, fun, interactive Star Wars show with me and Emma Fife. You guys can tune in there. Join us in the chat. 
sound off in the chat and we're going to get you involved with different games, with different role-playing scenarios inside the Star Wars universe, as well as getting into the Mandalorian season two, which is yeah. coming up in just a few weeks. So make sure you guys tune into the first episode of Sabak the Block over at First Cut. Our YouTube channel is First Cut. There you go. Follow him over on that wonderful Star Wars adventure. So uh, for Ace, for myself, and for, oh, poor Ned Stark, it's going to work out fine. You're going to heal up. Everything's going to be fine, right? We'll see you next week for Episode 6 of Season 1 of Game of Thrones. <laughs>